0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Tung Sudo Focus, a podcast concerning all things related to the Korean martial art of Tung Sudo. I'm Master Steve Paterini, your host for this podcast. Welcome to episode 11, a topic I like to call the unforgivables of Tung Sudo. I might need to back up and explain a little bit. Uh, I might have mentioned before in some of the earlier podcasts, uh, I am a middle school teacher and some of my colleagues in the language arts department uh, have a term for certain things that you just cannot get wrong uh, when you're writing in their language arts uh, class, and those are called unforgivables. A good example would be the fact that uh, there are three different ways of spelling there. There is T-H-E-R-E, which is location over there, T-H-E-I-R, which notes uh possession it is their car or uh, their iphone and then the other one would be the word they with an apostrophe re uh, there in other words they are an abbreviation uh for that so anyway um that would be an example of something that uh those teachers will not accept Uh, After sixth grade, if you're messing that up, it's basically a a sign that you are simply lazy uh, or have given up or just simply don't care. I don't know what's worse, being lazy, not caring. Um, And and once again, these things are just relatively easy and patently obvious to somebody uh, like a a language arts teacher or another teacher that's going to be reading a paper and seeing these mistakes is something that they would call unforgivable. And I made a list of things that I thought of in Tung Sudo that were just as unforgivable and uh, came up with a short list of 10 of them. Uh, I'll try not to elaborate too much uh, for the confines of our time, but uh these are things and and what i like to do is actually sometimes when people are getting ready and ramping up testing uh training rather for their black belt test uh i'll give them this on a worksheet and say listen if you mess these things up you're not a black belt okay you may be testing for black belt and and certainly we have had people have to retest uh, sometimes maybe the unsuccessful board breaking or certain techniques they, they did well in a lot of other areas but just well uh, didn't quite get their their highest form down correctly or something and we might make them retest uh, at a future date to uh, to make those corrections um, but these are things that just in everyday practice before the testing if you're not doing them right all the time uh, you're basically again Perhaps you're indicating you're lazy. Perhaps you're indicating you don't care. Uh, perhaps you're indicating you just can't follow directions. And any one of those things doesn't seem like something I would want uh, someone wearing a black belt in, uh, in our academy to be, uh, to be demonstrating. So uh, let's, let's take a look at these unforgivables. So there was a late night talk show host by the name of David Letterman he used to do a thing every night called the top 10 list right around midnight And uh, Something I always looked forward to in my younger days when I stayed up that late to watch uh, television So uh, this is the top 10 unforgivables of Tung Su Number one, a bad center punch that goes straight out from your shoulder and is not aimed at the solar plexus Which would be between the knot of your belt and that notch at the bottom of your uh, sternum uh, Where your rib cage meets in the front Um, Listen If your punch is going straight out from your shoulder, remember as we're doing our drills and striding, we're imagining our techniques are being thrown at a opponent uh, in front of us who is invisible that is exactly the same size as us. So your center punch should be aimed at your center. Now, just physically speaking, if your arm is straight out, you're aiming at your shoulder, your collarbone, your chest, something like that that's not a vital target the solar plexus is the spot between your notch of your uh, sternum and your belt and uh when you hit people there uh, they get the wind knocked out of them they their their diaphragm spasms and they can't breathe and it's a uh, very uncomfortable feeling if you've uh, ever had that happen so absolutely your center punch should be aimed at the center. And if it's straight out in front of you, uh, here's what I tell the the children as we're learning this. If I took a marble and put it on your shoulder, that marble has to roll down to your knuckles of your hand on your extended punch. And if your arm is not tilted at a downward angle, uh, that marble is not gonna roll. And that means it's not a center punch. People, this is the second technique after the glow block that we've taught you as a white belt. And if you're testing for black belt and you aren't throwing the correct center punch, what are you doing? I mean, that just, I'm sorry if I sound a little annoyed, but it really is. It's such a simple correction and I see it all the time. Um, Again, this is something you should have fixed as a orange belt, a green belt. Certainly, if I still see red belts doing it, I start to question myself, you know, again, are they even listening to the things we're telling them. Uh, are they just being mentally lazy? Uh, do they not understand what we're asking them to do? But boy, it's annoying when something that simple, just adjusting the uh, the position of your punch by, you know, again, we're talking maybe a foot, um, you know, 8, 10, 12 inches to move it down. So it has that downward angle. Uh, very simple thing to correct. So that is number one, the bad center punch. Uh, number two, sloppy hands. I've talked about marshmallow hands, uh, where the thumb is not wrapped around the first two knuckles on your fist, where your thumb is not closed on your uh, open-handed pseudo uh, techniques, uh, where your fingers are not clenched together um, when you're doing a reverse knife chop. Um, Any of those things, uh, again, we're not talking about, nobody ever went home from a practice saying, boy, you know what, I'm exhausted from all of that keeping my fingers together. Or, boy, you know, wrapping that thumb around my first two knuckles and squeezing my fist tight. Man, I I did so much of that in class today that I'm wiped out. I might not be able to, uh, you know, uh, help, uh, you know, clean up after dinner. That's ridiculous. It's totally a mental thing. And with, uh, you know, paying attention and making it a habit, a good habit instead of a bad habit, you should be able to correct this very quickly. But sloppy hands, no loose thumbs on a punch kick block or, uh, I'm sorry, punch block or a pseudo technique. Uh, kicking is another thing. I guess you don't use your hands in kicking. Number three, a weak chunbi. Chunbi means ready. Chunbi jase is your ready stance. And when I see students do a lackadaisical, um, uh, again, just uh, uninspired uh, with zero intensity and zero effort chunbi, that doesn't indicate to me that they're ready. Again, this is you're about ready to begin martial arts training or a martial arts technique. So uh, just, you know, (laughs) it's the first and last thing that we see in a form would be your Chimbi Jase at the beginning and the end. And if you don't do a good one, as an instructor or as a judge at a tournament you've already lost you've lost me at chunbi even if the rest of your techniques are fantastic if you haven't put spirit and effort and intensity into your chunbi jossie uh boy uh, that just kind of ruins the rest of the effect so a weak chunbi would be number three on the unforgivable list number four on the unforgivable list is a bad front stance uh, having a bent back leg, instead of having it locked out, not bending the front knee, not having your knee over your foot, not having your front shin be vertical straight up and down, uh, about a 60-40 distribution of your weight, 60% on the front leg 40 on the back leg, with your shoulders squared instead of your body turned sideways. Uh, these are all basic elements of a proper uh, front stance. Um, again, just about the first stance you learn in Gicho Hyung Yobu. So having a bad front stance means that from day one, you haven't made the corrections that your instructors have been giving you. And without that leg uh, in back locked out with the heel down, the front leg bent, which again, you know what? Uncomfortable taxes your muscles. It's supposed to. That's what makes it a strong stance. Uh, the proper weight distribution with square shoulders facing forward. If you're not doing that in your front stance, um, again, it's, you're just not doing it correctly, and it's a very basic technique. And if I'm seeing that in a chodon bow or a black belt test, I'm just shaking my head going, what do we got here? Okay. Uh, Number five, a bad back stance. Uh, Feet should be 90 degrees to each other, perpendicular, about an 80% weight on your back leg with 20% on the front. I think in a previous episode, I talked about that front leg kind of almost acting like the kickstand on a bike. It doesn't hold a whole lot of weight of your, uh, your body or in the case of a bike, the kickstand doesn't hold a whole lot of weight. It just keeps you from tipping over. All right. Heels up, toes up on the ball of the front foot, and you should be able to pick that leg up and flick it out uh, quite easily. That's the, the reason why you have the 80 to 20 percent uh, weight distribution on your back stance. Um, so there's the first five. A bad center punch, sloppy hands, a weak chin bee, a bad front stance, and a bad back stance. Uh, boy, if you're doing those things wrong, uh, I'm going to notice that in the first uh, probably few minutes of a test. And That's going to have me kind of raising my eyebrow and going, (laughs) is this person really ready for their next rank? Are they even trying? Let's see. Number six. Number six, breaking discipline while in line. So, at the end of a form, until your teacher says show, relax, uh, you should be at attention or holding your last move. So, if you have hit the last technique in your form but your seniors are still finishing up a long form um just because you're done doesn't mean that it's over you're gonna hold that last position and hold discipline you're not going to scratch your nose you're not going to adjust your uniform you're not going to drop your hands you're not going to start having conversations eyes ahead locked out in your best prettiest uh stance and you're going to hold that and uh like i say i can remember uh (laughs) At one point, um, uh, an instructor of mine uh, going to answer the phone while myself and another—you know—we were we were younger black belts, um, probably first or second on. The phone rang. Uh, uh, Master Volker went off to answer the phone, and we finished the form and hit our last stance. And, uh, he had a nice, lengthy, <laughs> relaxed conversation with the person on the other end of the form while we held our final horse stance, uh, which after a few minutes started to become quite difficult. Um, but it was, uh, I think it was a, a challenge thrown down by our instructor, a way of saying, okay, guys, you know, w- what do you have? Uh, w- what is your self-discipline like? And, uh, you know, will you hold this stance as long as you can until I'm ready to uh, tell you to relax and finish up? And then you can scratch your nose, adjust your uniform, etc. cetera. So, uh, yeah, don't break discipline while in line. Uh, again, scratching, fixing your belt, um, you know, coming up out of your stance, dropping your hands. All of those things show a lack of focus and intensity that's just unforgivable. Um, number seven, key ups. Um You know, I often say this to, especially to our younger uh, participants in our classes. Uh, I'm a middle school teacher. I walk by the cafeteria and it is one of the loudest places I've ever been in my life. And I go to a lot of rock and roll concerts, okay? I know you can yell, all right? And for you to key up without spirit, to key up quietly. Um, When we're doing our striding drills, Always on the first technique and the last technique of a line drill. Every time you turn, there's always a key up. And unless you're told not to, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, Master Walker will say, uh, you know, just breathe and use your breath, not a key up. Um, you should do this every time. First technique, last technique, turning techniques, and of course, in your forms where it's the appropriate time to use a key up, uh, that's just as important as doing the proper move. So knowing where your key ups are, and doing them with spirit is an important aspect of Tungso Do that cannot be ignored. All right, number eight, I just have written down here, good manners or good protocol, using proper respect and courtesy every time. Uh, if an instructor gives you some sort of directions, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, every time, loud enough, they can hear you in a noisy room. Okay, if you are called out of line, you don't just walk through the line in front of you. Go, you go behind the line you are being called out of. You back up and go behind the people. Don't cross in front of people on your line uh, when you go up front uh, to be called up to be part of a demonstration or be awarded, a, you know, some sort of a rank or something like that. Um, it's just disrespectful, it's just disrespectful. So uh, definitely the yes sir, yes ma'am every time. And once again, it's something that needs to be said clearly. We go back to that idea of this being a martial art and that martial means military, uh, just like martial law means uh, you know the army is in charge, they've taken over for the police in an emergency. We are a martial art. And in the military, you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sergeant, whoever is in charge and has just given you an order uh, for two reasons. One, then they know you actually heard the order and what the instruction was that they just told you. And it also signifies to the people around you that you have also heard that. So it can't just be a quietly mumbled yes, sir, or just, you know, okay, or yes, or something like that it's yes sir yes ma'am uh, distinctly and clearly every single time okay very important all right number nine we're at now of the unforgivables of tung sudo proper respect to the dons remember to bow to don members as you greet them on the floor or as your class is being dismissed uh, if a master goes on the floor Uh, the most senior student should stop the class wait for a break in that drill or for a form to end and say students pay respect to master and then say their name 7m it's quite simple if there's already a senior ranking master on the floor, you don't need to, uh, as a senior don or whatever most senior gup in the class, stop the class uh, and acknowledge that person. Um, that would be, again, if we go back to our military analogy uh, or comparison uh, in, in the last segment. If there was already an admiral on the uh, on the bridge of the the, the warship, uh, and a captain came on the deck, uh, you wouldn't acknowledge the captain uh the admiral is the big boss (laughs) in that case and uh the admiral may turn and and acknowledge them but uh yeah this uh bowing to the don members um again on your way off the floor a lot of times our black belt classes uh train directly after a gup class so after dismissal the you know younger uh, junior students turn just and and you don't have to bow to all 12 black belts that are on the floor just a general bow in their particular area showing that sign of respect recognizing their accomplishments and your place in the uh the pecking order if you will on that um uh, in, in that particular class uh important stuff and we don't want to get sloppy with that we made it to number 10 of the uh, Tung Sudo unforgivables uh, in a reasonable amount of time i think uh, number 10 is respecting protocol and uh an example of that would be uh, if another class is beginning uh or ending and they're doing their protocol which of course is saluting the flag the meditation bowing to the instructors saying the student creed uh, and you're in the dojo. Uh, you need to respect that protocol uh, you shouldn't be having loud conversations while they're doing their meditation that's pretty distracting and pretty disrespectful um, you know if you're off to the side warming up because you are in the next class um, when it comes time to do that protocol on the chumbi area and they start doing their uh, salute the flag whatever you're talking about stop <laughs> or at least you know lower your voices to a whisper where you can continue your conversation but you're respecting that on the floor uh, something important is going on because protocol uh, is an important part of our, our martial arts training. Um, uh, you know, uh, hearing screams from the changing room or, uh, you know, side conversations, uh, y- even though they're not students, uh, sometimes the parents or, uh, you know, uh, other uh, um, spectators, if you will, from outside of the training floor. If they're having loud conversations, it can be uh, quite distracting. You've got, you know, 15, 20 people standing at attention with their eyes closed, meditating, and, uh, you know, they're laughing and, and talking loudly. Uh, you know, that's something that might be worth having a, uh, a respectful, polite conversation and explain to them why that would be, uh, sort of a faux pas, sort of an a, 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 a embarrassing thing for them to do. Um, yeah, uh, you can wait <laughs> for a minute until the protocol is over. Um, sometimes students are entering the dojong. Uh, in our particular case, our changing room is uh, past the entry area and you would have to walk along the edge of the training floor to go put your bag away, uh, you know, or go into the changing room. If they're in the middle of protocol, you don't walk through, even along the edge of the uh, the edge of the uh, the training floor. Um, you would bow at the edge of the mat and wait. Uh, once again, protocol does not take that long, and uh, you can then, you know, politely and uh, unobtrusively. Uh, go to, uh, take care of getting to the changing room, the restroom, whatever else it is that you need to take care of. So, uh, you know, that idea of respecting protocol, uh, as it is going on is pretty important for, for me at least. And, and I think for any, um, any school where, uh, respect and protocol is, uh, highly valued. And one additional note on, uh, protocol and respect. Uh, Let's say you show up and uh, protocol has already happened. You're late to class is what I'm trying to say. Uh, You know, maybe your parents brought you late or (laughs) I I have a reputation myself. uh, Unfortunately, I'm not proud of it, but uh, I often end up uh, a a few minutes late to class. uh, Although I usually try to make it up on the other end by staying after and and continuing to work. Uh, Regardless, um, to me, that shows almost a uh, disrespect towards all the students who were there on time who took the trouble and effort to show up at the allotted time be lined up and go through the particular protocol so entering the dojang after the class has started uh, you would bow at the edge of the mat and you would hold your chumbi uh, position at the edge of the mat and wait for the instructor or senior student who's leading the warmups to bow you in, to acknowledge you. You don't just bow at the edge of the mat and then jump in line. Um, it is important for the instructor to know who's on the floor, who they are responsible for. Wait a minute, we had eight people before, now we got nine, we gotta, we gotta change our lines here. Um, yeah, it, it, it sounds kind of ticky tacky, but again, as a uh, you're the person who did the wrong thing by showing up late so when you uh, again hit the floor after the protocol um again, sometimes master walker somebody will just oh just you know jump right in you know warm up catch up on your warm ups etc um let me say this coming late to class is better than not coming to class at all but again my feeling has always been that if i'm late i'm uh Again, a little bit uh, disrespectful to the people who took the time and the effort to get there on time. What I will often do is after I've been bowed in by the senior student or senior instructor, um, I'll drop down and do 10 or 20 quick push-ups, And that's my way of saying, hey, my bad. I'm sorry. Uh, I realize you went through the effort and uh, were appropriate in being on time for your training. Uh, I didn't. Here's a little uh, penance, if you will. Um, uh, it, it, I, I hate to use the word punishment. Uh, you know, Master Walker likes to say, uh, "No, you're just uh, you know catching up on the warm-ups by doing those extra push-ups." But it's just a little symbol of respect, saying, "Hey, listen, uh, you know, mea culpa. Uh, I messed up, but I'm here to train, and I know you got here on time." Here's a little, again, uh, a little gesture on my part to show you that I respect the fact that you were here. And uh, again, if your reason you're late is because your parents (laughs) were late in getting you to class, you might want to say, hey, you know, mom, dad... (laughs) guess what? You made me do push-ups at the beginning of class because we, were, we weren't on time this time. So uh, let's try to make it uh, on time next, next class because uh, I don't like it when everyone kind of turns and looks at me uh, and kind of gives me that, that funny look because I'm the person who shows up late to class. Um, so that's another uh, element of protocol and respect that I thought was worth mentioning. All right, so here we are at about 24 minutes. And we've gotten through the 10 unforgivables of Tung Sido. Number one, a bad center punch. Number two, sloppy hands. Number three, a weak Chun-Bi. Four, a bad front stance. Five, a bad back stance. Uh, And six would be breaking discipline while you're in line. Seven would be not doing good key-ups at the appropriate time. Uh, eight having good manners and courtesy nine showing proper respect to the dons and number 10 respecting the protocol um you know it's almost a 50 50 split between things that are technique related like the center punch and the bad stances and the other ones are all basically just courtesy and manners and behaving the proper way and if you don't know how to behave uh uh, correctly in a dojong uh, by the time you're testing, especially for your more advanced ranks, um, again, it, it sounds to me like you haven't really been paying attention and you've been sort of missing the boat on those things. So anyway, uh, hopefully those give you some insight and maybe some things that you thought about. Went, oh, geez, you know what? That's something I need to improve on. Uh, that might be a, a change I need to make in my own practice so that I'm not doing any of these unforgivable things. Uh, because it is the kind of thing that could prevent you from reaching your next rank in some cases. So um, I appreciate you listening to this uh, episode 11 of Tung Focus. Uh, I thank you for your kind attention. I would ask you if you're listening on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Spotify, subscribe. Um, like, share, uh, tell your friends, uh, tell your training partners, and uh, as time goes on, uh, we will have more and more relevant Tung Su Do information for you to uh, hopefully add to your practice and improve your Tung Su Do journey. Have a great day, and Tung Su.